Thank you for joining us for this special Friday edition of Main Thing Radio. Today, guest speakers Peter and Cynthia Shepard will continue tackling life issues from a married perspective. point when we see how Nehemiah, he all of a sudden he says, I, he prayed to himself. In his mind, he just prayed. And there's so many times in our lives where we're just stuck in that moment. We're in a situation and it's like, what are we going to do? Just pray. Pray in your mind. God hears you, right? And it's such a wonderful thing to see that, how God put that just neatly right there. It says, God, he prayed silently to himself and then he brought before the king what was going on. And then he got this huge favor from the king, which is basically from the Lord. After Nehemiah realized the need of the people, we will learn what he did about it. The king asked him what he needed, and he prayed to the Lord. Peter and Cynthia will talk about the favor he got from the king, receiving supplies and protection to help his people. We will learn the importance of preparation to the mission we have in hand. Stick around after today's message. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here are Peter and Cynthia with today's message. Their walls and their apartments and the houses, they don't want people to hear them worshiping the Lord because they'll go to jail for it. They'll probably be killed for it. You know, there's that much persecution still in our world today. And so it's just interesting to get a little bit of a perspective in that book and that movie shows even more of the persecuted church around the world. So now that we discuss the need and how God shows Nehemiah that need, let's read chapter two if you want to flip over and we'll see how he handles it. So in chapter two, verse two through eight, Nehemiah sent to Judah and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, 
that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So we see here God's incredible favor, how the king asked Nehemiah, hey, what, you know, what's going on with my cupbearer? Usually he's cheery, he's looking a little sad. <laughs> and it's a beautiful life lesson that we can learn here from what Nehemiah does in that moment. It's almost, I mean, for me, there's a couple of things in the Bible. I love these little knickknacks. Like in Daniel 1.8, it says Daniel purpose in his heart, right, to not defile himself, that he wasn't going to eat of this king's food and he was going to be different. But in this point when we see how Nehemiah, he all of a sudden he says, I, he prayed to himself. In his mind, he just prayed. And there's so many times in our lives where we're just stuck in that moment, we're in a situation, and it's like, what are we going to do? Just pray. Pray in your mind. God hears you, right? And it's such a wonderful thing to see that, how God put that just neatly right there. It says, God, he prayed silently to himself, and then he brought before the king what was going on. And then he got this huge favor from the king, which is basically from the Lord. I'll give you passes, and I'll give you access to my forest. Here you go. You can take these things and go. So we have to know in our lives that we have so many times when our business doesn't seem to stop, and we're confronted with a large obstacle, in that moment, you can pray to God. It's very similar when I was at this Christian conference a couple years ago. Uh, it had already started, and all of a sudden, walks through the door late, this beautiful New Jersey girl and she comes, and I'm just praying, God, let her sit at my table. Let her sit at my table. And then right there, she sits at my table. <laughs> and lo and behold, a year and a half later, I'll be married to her right there. <laughs> it works, OK? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but we also see how this was God's will. He granted favor for Nehemiah to go out and rebuild the wall. Not only did the king grant him permission, but he gave him supplies. And he gave him supplies from his own forest, right, and his own supply. And he gave him permission, basically permission slips, saying, nobody touch this guy. This is my man, right? This is my guy. He's going to do a work. It's also important to note that this is a fulfillment of prophecy from the book of Daniel. And so once again, in the canon, how it's written, Daniel's later, but historically, Daniel happened before, okay? And so what happened with the book of Daniel, when he was captive in Babylon about 538 BC, God revealed the prophecy of Israel's 70 weeks to him in Daniel 9, 24 to 26. We're not going to go there, but just to mention it quickly, because I think it's important to see how God just divinely puts these things in these beautiful books and how this Bible works together as a beautiful compilation of God's work. So in this prophecy, the following sequence of events are revealed, that there would be one day a commandment to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So when King Xerxes gave that command, that was fulfillment of this, which then the Babylonians did, and they had destroyed years earlier. This was fulfilled in 445 BC by that king. And then after the prophecy of Daniel 9 was given, as we see in Nehemiah 2, 1 through 8, the account of how Nehemiah asked Xerxes for the permission and the means to rebuild the ruins of the city of Jerusalem, we see that this took place in the month of Nisan, the first month of the Hebrew calendar, which occurs in early spring. And then the second thing we see is that from the giving of this commandment to the Messiah, there would be 70 weeks, and after which the Messiah would be cut off, is what the prophecy says. And that means that's when the Messiah would be killed. And that is what happened. 70 weeks later, Jesus is crucified. And it's just interesting because that starts this prophecy timeline of what was said, declared before. So it's just a beautiful thing I wanted to point out with that. So Christ was crucified on the 14th day of Nisan in the Passover of 32 AD, right on schedule. Now, if you want, we're going to keep going out of Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. It says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night 
I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate. And so I returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in? Now Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that had been spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So in that part of the chapter, we see that Nehemiah is surveying the need. When Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he immediately starts working by surveying the project to understand what's necessary to complete the task at hand. He did this, what's important to note, before ever telling anyone. He did this silently. He didn't go bragging about it first. So sometimes as Christians, we get really excited about the new opportunities and we're quick to do something about it immediately without doing our survey and counting the cost. And unfortunately, without proper planning or executing, these things can fail very easily, or they'll only last a few weeks and then it's done. So we can learn from Nehemiah uh, about how to persevere and complete tasks that God has put in our heart. I love the verse in Luke chapter 14, 28 through 33, I'll just read it. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So it's very true. A lot of times we see a lot of excited people who come and say, hey, I want to start a new small group. I want to go and do this outreach. I want to do this amazing thing for missions work. And it's great to see the passion and the desire. But a lot of times what happens is it doesn't come to fruition. One may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This verse is from the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is at the very heart of the vision for this special Friday edition of Main Thing Radio. Jesus, Pastor Robert, and his wife Elizabeth, a threefold cord presenting God's Word in a way that will inspire you in your own marriage and walk with God. Pastor Robert's vision is that through this fresh method of approaching God's Word, that husbands and wives will be equipped to face the world on a united front, as one team joined together by God, sharing the light of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world all around us. Monday through Thursday here on Main Thing Radio, we share messages from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. 
but today's message is unique. As you listened today, we're confident that you heard from God through Pastor Robert and Elizabeth. Well, that's all the time we have here for today. On Monday, Pastor Robert will be back with us teaching through God's Word verse by verse. So make plans to join us on Monday right here on Main Thing Radio.